0: The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me a Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello, and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Well, today's story is Medusa as told by Nanny Piggins. Here we go. "'What's wrong, Samantha?' asked Nanny Piggins. "'We're studying ancient Greek myths at school, and I have to do a report on Medusa,' said Samantha. "'Ah, yes,' said Nanny Piggins. "'No wonder you're distressed. It's a terrible tale of prejudice, what happened to my dear cousin, Medusa.' Cousin, said Derek, you're saying the character from ancient Greece who had living snakes for hair and could turn men to stone with a glance of her eyes, she was one of your cousins? Of course, said Nanny Piggins. The only reason she was cursed to have snake hair and a stone-turning glare was because she was so staggeringly beautiful that the god of the sea, Poseidon, fell in love with her, which ended up upsetting the goddess Athena. And to be so beautiful that you make two separate gods overcome with emotion, of course she had to be a Piggins. So you're saying Medusa was a pig as well? Yes, I said she was staggeringly, god-bewilderingly beautiful, said Nanny Piggins. You don't think a human was capable of that level of attractiveness? Michael thought about the girls in his class at school. He liked them well enough. Glenda Babcock was seriously good at handball, but she did pick her nose a lot, so he couldn't imagine her having that effect on anybody. Well, I was supposed to borrow a book from the library and read up on Medusa, said Samantha, then do a presentation in class tomorrow. But Margaret Wallace borrowed all the Greek mythology books before I could get in there. Oh, those books don't tell the true story anyway, said Nanny Piggins. The ancient Greeks were obsessed with men being brave, which is all very well. But when you've got a woman with a head full of snake hair, you really need to accept that she is the star of the show. Now you run along and fetch a pen of paper and I'll tell you what really happened. So Samantha went and got her notebook and sat down, ready to take dictation. As I say, it all started with dear cousin Medusa being staggeringly beautiful, said Nanny Piggins, which sounds nice, but was in fact a terrible burden. She couldn't get a sensible conversation out of anybody. She'd be going about her daily ancient story days business, you know, milking the goat, picking the olives, whatever they did back then. But when she went into town to sell her wares, men would just stare at her and drool. Occasionally, the more confident among them would throw themselves on their knees and beg her to marry them. And their mothers would plead with her to marry their sons. It was a tremendous ordeal. She couldn't even go and have a coffee with a friend, partly because the cappuccino had not been invented yet, and partly because if she did go to a coffee shop, the waiter would just stand and stare at her beauty. Well, anyway, one day it was particularly sunny and she was so exhausted from being beautiful that she thought she would relax by taking a nice long walk along by the seaside. That was a dreadful mistake. You see, Poseidon was the god of the sea. So he spotted her and he fell in love at first sight. He rose up out of the ocean, determined to woo her. Now, I don't want to get into the details. You can hardly take a book report to school tomorrow that is M-rated. But suffice it to say, Poseidon was more attractive than the waiters and olive oil salesmen in town, and she took a bit of a shine to him. The problem was, in the ancient story days, there was nowhere to take a girl on a date. There was no cinema, no tenpin bowling, no laser tag. So instead, Poseidon, being a bit lazy and not wanting to walk too far, took Medusa on a date to the nearest building, which just happened to be a temple. A temple to the goddess Athena. Everything was going along swimmingly until Athena found out. She did not appreciate having hanky-panky take place in a building dedicated to worshipping her. She totally blew her stack. And when gods lose their temper, they really lose their temper. And in hindsight, if you're going to annoy any of the gods, Athena, goddess of war, is probably the worst one to pick. She was so mad she sent Poseidon packing back to the ocean floor. Then she turned on Medusa and tried to think of some diabolical way of punishing her. Medusa was so pretty and her hair was so lovely, Athena's eyes landed on that. She used her Greek goddess powers to turn Medusa's hair into snakes, writhing, venomous, angry snakes. And she transformed Medusa's face so that no man could look directly at her without being turned to stone. Then she banished Medusa to live on an island with the two other gorgons. What's a gorgon? asked Michael. "'In my opinion, it's a very prejudiced word,' said Nanny Piggins. "'I do not approve of beautyism.' "'Yes, but what does gorgon mean?' pressed Michael. "'A gorgon is a hideously ugly, spiteful monster,' said Nanny Piggins. Michael frowned as he tried to imagine such a thing. Do you remember the look on the librarian's face when she accused you of having a library book that was two years overdue, asked Nanny Piggins. (gasps) She was terrifying, said Michael. Well, a Gorgon looks 5,000 times worse than that, said Nanny Piggins. Plus, they get extra crabby because they're cooped up on a tiny island. Anyway, as you can imagine, this whole thing made Medusa really, really fed up. Now, if Poseidon had been a nice god who loved Medusa for her personality, it all would have been alright. So long as they'd kept the fridge stocked with snake antivenom venom and he never looked directly at her face, they could have had a perfectly nice relationship. But that was not Poseidon. He was a rat. I know it sounds judgmental to say so, but it's just a fact. It comes up a lot in many Greek myths. The gods behaving like cads is a key plot point in most of them. So, living on a small island with no one for company except two other gorgons and a head full of angry snakes, Medusa year by year became more bitter and more spiteful. And that is the backstory. So this is the bit where the hero comes in. Flash forward many years, there's a precocious youth called Perseus. Now Perseus had a lovely mother, so lovely that the king wanted to marry her. Perseus did not like this idea. So to get Perseus out of the way, the king set him a challenge. He asked Perseus to fetch the head of the Gorgon Medusa it was the hardest thing he could think of getting the boy to do. The king thought he was particularly clever because it was the ancient story times and there were no helicopters or jet planes, so the only way Perseus could get to the island was by sailing, which would take forever, especially if there's no wind or if the boat sank. The king thought this would give him plenty of time to marry Perseus' mother while he was away. So Perseus set off, and there was lots of boring sailing action, we'll just skip all of that, and finally he arrived at the island. At this point, Perseus was feeling a little bit afraid because he didn't really have a plan. He knew there were three Gorgons, but what if he cut the head off the wrong one? That would be a terrible faux pas. Very embarrassing. He was wandering around the desolate island, wondering where the Gorgons might be. There were no semi-detached cottages, no palaces, not even a tent. When he came upon a cave... It did not look like a terribly nice place to live. There was a tremendous draught from the ocean and there was bat poop everywhere, so they obviously didn't have a cleaner. But Perseus decided to check it out. He hadn't walked too far into the cave when he was surprised to see a hyper-realistic statue of a Greek fisherman. Perhaps the Gorgons weren't so bad if they liked to keep art about their home. Perseus walked deeper into the cave and he came across another, deeply impressive, very realistic statue, this time of Persian sailors. These gorgons were obviously more sophisticated than he'd imagined if they appreciated multicultural imagery. He walked a bit further and then he came to a statue of a soldier, holding up his sword, ready to strike. Perseus was just admiring the craftsmanship and marvelling at how he couldn't see any tool marks on the beautiful statue when a thought occurred to him. He can't have been terribly bright, or the thought would have occurred to him earlier, but Perseus realised these were not statues. These were people. People who had been frozen forever in their final moment alive when they had set eyes on the most fearsome gorgon of them all, Medusa. Perseus began to feel that perhaps this trip was not the smartest thing he had ever agreed to. But there was no time to run away in fear, because at that moment... He heard a noise from the back of the cave. A shuffling sound of someone walking towards him across the dirt floor. And as they drew closer, he could hear something else. He could hear the hiss of snakes. (gasps) I want to go to the... Cried Boris. This is what he always said when they went to the movies and they got to a frightening bit. Nanny Piggins had taught him to do this when he was a young bear cub so that he wouldn't have to embarrass himself and admit to feeling scared. I know, dear, said Nanny Piggins kindly, but just hang on a moment. It gets less scary soon. (gasps) Do you promise? asked Boris. Of course, said Nanny Piggins. Medusa was a Piggins. Have faith in her. Now, where was I? Oh, yes. Perseus was just quaking with fear as Medusa shuffled towards him. "'And what do you think you're doing, invading my home without even knocking?' demanded Medusa. Perseus clapped his hands over his eyes so he wouldn't be turned to stone by her glance. "'There was no door to knock on,' said Perseus. "'And you didn't take that as a sign that I didn't want people to enter?' asked Medusa Piggins. "'Um,' said Perseus. "'You just wandered in and had a look around,' asked Medusa. "'Where were you taught your manners?' "'Obviously not in a pigsty. "'That was where I was raised and my mother insisted on impeccable etiquette.' I've been sent by the king to cut your head off, explained Perseus. Ha! I'd like to see you try, said Medusa. You can't even look at me without turning to stone. It's going to be very hard to aim. I shall not fail, cried Perseus valiantly as he closed his eyes and swung his sword in the direction of Medusa. She easily ducked out of the way. Stop swinging that around, said Medusa. It's dangerous. You could have someone's eye out. That's the whole point, said Perseus, taking another swing and missing. I'm going to chop your head off. "'But I haven't done anything to you,' said Medusa. "'You're a horrible gorgon,' said Perseus. "'I would be ridding the world of a dreadful monster.' "'You're the one barging into a lady's home "'and swinging a deadly weapon about with your eyes closed,' said Medusa. "'The fact that I've been having a bad hair day for the last millennium "'doesn't compare to that.' "'The snakes she had for hair hissed their agreement.' At that moment, Perseus noticed that he could see Medusa in the reflection of his shield and that seeing her in the reflection did not turn him to stone. That meant now he could aim. He picked up the shield and walked backwards exactly towards Medusa, held up his sword and took a great big well-aimed swing. (gasps) Oh no, cried Boris, hiding under the coffee table in sympathy. But he totally missed because Perseus had forgot to allow for the fact that a mirror image is reversed and he had swung in entirely the wrong direction. Hold it right there, called an authoritative voice from the cave entrance. Perseus froze, not into stone, but he did as he was told. I'm kind of busy right now, cutting the head off a gorgon, he told the newcomer. "'No, you are not,' said the man. "'I am Ranger Duncan from the Department of National Parks, "'and it is illegal to kill a native animal without a permit.' "'A gorgon isn't a native animal,' said Perseus. "'It's a monster!' "'I personally prefer the pronoun she,' said Medusa. "'She's a monster.' "'That's as maybe,' said Ranger Duncan. "'But it's illegal to kill a snake, "'and if you cut her head off, "'all the snakes on her head will suffer.' "'The snakes hissed their agreement with this, too.' That's ridiculous said Percy. It's illegal to carry a knife in public as well said the ranger. How old are you anyway? It's doubly illegal if you're under eighteen. Come on, I'm taking you down to the police station. But the gorgon pleaded Perseus, I've sailed all the way here to kill her. You should just stop talking, said the ranger. You're only making it worse for yourself. Now I know it was premeditated animal cruelty. You've been planning this for some time. We're going to throw the book at you. And so Medusa was able to live in peace, said Nanny Piggins. She must have been so lonely, worried Samantha. Not at all, said Nanny Piggins. Eventually, she met a very nice blind reptile lover. On a blind date, ironically. And they lived happily ever after. The end. Time for bed. But what happened to Perseus? asked Michael. Oh, he was fine too, said Nanny Piggins. After he got out of jail for breaking so many wildlife regulations and knife laws, he went back to the royal palace and presented Medusa's head to the king. But he didn't have a head, said Michael. Not the real head, no, said Nanny Piggins, but he made a copy of Medusa's head out of paper mache and lolly snakes. The king loved eating lolly snakes, and as he grabbed up the head and started scoffing them, Perseus was able to sneak away with his mother, and they lived happily ever after. Or at least until he got into his next dreadful pickle, as all heroes do in ancient Greek stories. The end. I don't think that's the version my teacher has heard of, said Samantha. No, the problem is the story was originally written down by Perseus and he edited it to make himself look better, said Nanny Piggins. Never trust an editor, children. But don't worry if your teacher gives you a bad mark. I can ring Cousin Medusa and get her to drop by your classroom and give your teacher a good glare, if you like. The end. That's it. Thank you for listening to support this podcast just by a book by me, R.A. Spratt. There's lots to choose from, from across the Nanny Piggins, Pesky Kids and Friday Barn series, as well as my new book, Shockingly Good Stories, which is based on this podcast. You can order any of those books through your local bookstore or go to my website, raspratt.com and click on the book depository banner. They have all my titles and free international shipping. That's it for now. Until next time. Goodbye.